God bless you, and on behalf of World Harvest Ministries, I'd like to welcome you, and thank you so much for tuning in. In today's message, Pastor Jeremy takes us to a passage found in the book of Daniel, and he talks about a generation that would come that would seek after God, and in their seeking after God, and their pursuit of God, they will be purified. Now, we hope this word awakens you and deepens your understanding in God's word. And as the Bible says, he who has an ear, let him hear to what the Spirit of God is saying. Now, let's tune in to today's message. God, when God gathers his people and his servants there is a word that he wants to deliver. And my prayer tonight is God that, and I know it will be, that it will be a cohesive word that what you hear today, what you hear tomorrow, what you hear the following day and the day after will be a cohesive word. God is speaking to his people. And I am so honored to be here today. Um, uh, my wife and my two youngest could not join me, and my son, Jeremiah, uh, has been such a, uh, 2019 has been a life-changing year for us. Uh, my son graduated from high school, and we praise God for that. Uh, we homeschooled him throughout all the years, and to see uh, him uh, come to that place of graduation, and this is actually now his second week, he started uh, our, at the, uh, college. And so with that comes responsibilities. I know his desire was to be here, but I know God is going to make a way. We're testing the waters to see what it is because uh, there's so much things to do. But uh, receive greetings, not just uh, from our family, but from the church over there in Indio, California. And know that there is a remnant there that is seeking the face of God and that prays for each and every one of you that are here today. Amen. And it's an honor today to, to be here and to really uh, share this pulpit uh, with Pastor Stan, who really is an example, a quiet example uh, to us as young ministers. Um, every time he delivers the word, I, I always imagine a Paul speaking to, his, <laughs> to the people of God, just the manner and, and the joy and the humility of this man and the example that he is. We want to honor him today. Amen. Yesterday, we had a, a powerful meeting at our church, uh, literally uh, um, uh, after Pastor Fernando ministered, I, I left quickly home. Uh, I was shaken by the Lord and just wanted to meditate. And, you know, because God is not, doesn't just speak through us, he speaks to us. And if we're not being shaken and if we're not being moved and if we're not being challenged, Something's wrong. And I thank God that God has confirmed his word today. Today's message title, if we could put a title to this word today, is a generation, a last day generation that will distinguish themselves for seeking after God. I want you to open your Bibles today to the book of Daniel. I feel that I must teach the word today and I want to be obedient to God and show you some things that God is sh sh showing me 
In the, in the chapter 12 of the book of Daniel, we're going to be reading from verse 1 to verse 10. Somebody say amen. And I'm not afraid if, we, if all we do is read the word of God, that's enough, amen? I think it's time, you know, we can get preachy and, and, and we can preach a storm, but we need more teaching of the word of God. And, and I believe God is, is calling us not just to distinguish ourselves, but to preach a message that, that he wants us to say. The message of the hour today is Jesus Christ is coming back again. Somebody say amen. You know, we, we, we live in a time today where when it concerning things uh, that are prophecy, I see three things going on today in the church world. Either it is not being spoken of, people don't speak about prophetic things, all the messages are feel-good messages, uh, messages of prosperity, uh, messages that make you feel good, but few are, 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 are dabbing into the prophetic. The other danger that I see in, 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 in people, in, in, in ministry today, is that others preach it uh, preach prophecy as a topical or thematic subject. Does that make sense? Just as a thematic subject. And others can exclusively teach prophecy or eschatology. But the danger is that if our focus and if our emphasis is just dates, times, and symbols, and etc., which is important, I see that we miss the most important thing, two most important things in prophecy. Prophecy must have the direct emphasis and connection to the person of Jesus and the purification of the saints. You see what I'm saying? If, if, if we teach prophecy, in, and, and that's why I thank the Lord, and that's why I thank God for men like Brother Marty and Brother Fernando, men that teach prophecy, but their emphasis is not just showing things, it's to, 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 to reveal Jesus Christ. And tonight, what I want to link today is that God is calling us to a time as we see God, there is a purification that will take place and that is necessary in this hour. Somebody say amen. 1 John 3, 3 tells us that, that, you don't have to go there, that every man that has this hope in him purified himself, even as he is pure. So today we're going to be teaching from the Word of God of this last day generation that will seek after God. And let me tell you something up front. You will either be one of those last day generation people, remnant that will seek after God, or you will fall prey to the spirit of this age. There is no two ways about it. This is a very urgent time, a very serious time, where God has reserved of the hidden manna for those who will seek after it. Hallelujah. I want to be a seeker after God. And the word of the Lord says in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
starting from verse 1 of chapter 12. And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at the time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. And many of them that fall asleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, and some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Pay attention to this verse, and I'll deal with it in my message. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Now listen. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Then Daniel looked, and behold, there, there stood other two, the one on this side of the bank of the river, and the other on that side of the bank of the river. And one said to the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, look at the question, how long? shall it be to the end of these wonders. And I heard the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand unto heaven, and swore by him that liveth forever, that it shall be for a time, times and a half, three and a half years, and when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. Now here comes Daniel into the picture. And I heard, now listen to what it says, but I understood not. Then said I, O oh my Lord, what shall this, what shall be the end of these things? Now, Pay attention to this question because this would be the same question that the disciples would ask Jesus in Matthew 24. He said, oh my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? God responded, go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed. It's going to be sealed for a specific time till the time of the end. We know that it was going to be sealed, but it's going to be revealed to who is the question. I want you to pay attention to verse 10, which would be the subject of today's teaching. Many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do, shall continue to do wickedly. But none of the wicked shall understand. But the wise shall understand. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Father, as we 
have sensed your presence, Lord, as especially as Sister Gretchen started singing that song, Lord, to call on you to seek your face, Lord. And the prophetic uh, prophecy given, Lord, as a reminder to us, Lord, to seek your face, Lord. This moment, as we will enter, Lord, to this realm, Lord, that you would give us revelation of your word, God. That, Lord, that you would give us the freedom, Lord, that is needed, Lord, to be able to properly, Lord, express what you are saying to us tonight, Lord. Anoint my lips and anoint the hearts to hear, God, what the Lord, what the Spirit of God is saying today. Father, we give no room for distract, distraction, for doubt, for fear. Father, just have your way today, Lord. And as your word has been established in heaven, let it be, Lord, established in our midst today, Lord. And we ask you this in the precious name of Jesus Christ. And God's people say amen and amen. In Matthew 24 and Luke 21, but specifically in Matthew 24, the disciples would ask Jesus, Three questions concerning the end of time. And when you read it, if you're there in Matthew 24, the disciples asked Jesus, tell us when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And we're just going to read a few verses because I want to begin to establish, and, and, and I'll tell you why this is going to lead us back to Daniel. Because in the middle of this discourse, in the middle of Jesus answering the question that the disciples asked, he would take him back to Daniel. But let's see how he started. It's interesting. Most of you have heard, have read, have heard messages on Matthew 24 concerning the signs that we are living in the end times. But what's interesting to me is that Jesus, the first thing that he would declare to his disciples was not all the happenings, but it was a direct warning to them. He would tell them, be ye not deceived. And Jesus would answer and say to them, take heed, pay attention, that no man deceive you. Deception is rampant and it's getting worse. He said, take heed that no man deceive you. He says, for many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines, and pestilences, and earthquakes. How many of you have felt some of the earthquakes more frequently now? In diverse places. Now look at the terminology that Jesus used. He said, and these are all the beginning of sorrows. When you hear the word sorrows, it is speaking, 
It, it is speaking as of, uh, of a woman who, who is pregnant carrying a child and when the time comes to give uh, to, to, to labor, to give birth to that child, right before that, there is a travailing that takes place as the intensity of, of, of the pains, of the, of the birth pains intensify in the woman where literally the woman is, her, her body is shaking where she feels that she's going to die and not going to make it. But out of that, it produces something and brings life into the world. So as bad as it looks in the world today, let me just bank, just bank on it. I'm not here to, 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 to crush your spirits, but things are only going to get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. The spirit of the age that was alive in the days of Paul is more alive today than ever before. You must take heed what we are telling you tonight because it is important. The problem in our nation is not an economical problem. It's not a racial problem. We have a spiritual problem. There is a spirit that's going directly against Christ, an antichrist spirit that is moving today, that is going against the very principles of the word of God, that is going against, and if it's going against Jesus, it's going against his word, and if it's going against his word, it's coming for you. The Bible says that they shall deliver you, up to be afflicted, they shall kill you. You shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray me, betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. That word many has the connotation of a lot of people. But he, take note, but he, but he, he says, excuse me, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure, church, Take this word with you. He that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all the nations, and then shall the end come. Now listen to this. And then Jesus gives us a clue. And when you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation. What is the abomination of desolation? It's twofold. The abomination is what takes place, as we know, in the temple when the Antichrist, after the Jews build their temple and where they do their sacrifices, where he steps in the very place and now calls himself God and asks people to offer him all the worship. But also the abomination is the people of Israel, is the abomination, is they, they're the ones who, who bring that abomination upon themselves when they accept the Antichrist as their leader, as their Messiah. 
And Jesus says, when, when you, therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of, look what he says. He gives us a clue. Spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso read it, let him understand. Today, a key word that we were going to be looking at is understanding. It's knowledge. Understanding. There is an understanding that remaineth for the saints of God in these last days. And so I want us to go back to Daniel today and study some things that I believe that are important. Daniel found himself from, in chapter 9 calling out on God and, and asking God as he was reading the scriptures. His heart was, was, was he was examining himself. He was, he was saying, God, forgive us. He was asking for forgiveness of the sins of the nation because he read that after 70 years that, that, that the captivity of, of, of Israel had to cease. And he began to pray and he began to press in and God heard his prayer and God began to reveal to Daniel things concerning the end times. And as he began to see, there were certain things that he could not understand and that's why we find him in verse 7 of chapter 12 of the book of Daniel asking and saying, when shall these things, excuse me, in verse 8, he says, I hear it, but I understood not. Then said I, oh, my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? Daniel began to inquire. Daniel began to ask, God, what does this mean? But the answer he got is, go thy way, Daniel. For the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Now, it was a custom in in, in, in the East, to whenever uh, something uh, important needed to be saved, it was sealed. It was sealed, and that's the way it was preserved, by the sealing. Now follow me, we're going to get somewhere here today. And he says this. He says, go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed to the time of the end. Many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. Many times when I've read, when I've read this scripture, Quickly, my understanding would be that it's talking about in the, the, in the last days that Christians are going to go through trials and tribulations of, of the believers in the end times and that, and that the wicked uh, will continue in their wickedness. And yes, that's, what, that's, that's part of the meaning. But I began to investigate and it just began to touch my heart. And this is what I believe what the Lord was telling me. There is a deeper meaning. When God speaks to Daniel and tells him, go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed to the end of time. God was telling Daniel, do not inquire further. Do not inquire further for the matters that I will seal are obscured and sealed until the end. In other words, what God shows Daniel concerning the end times 
He was saying the complete understanding of it, follow me, will come until the end. Now this is powerful because God purposely left a piece of the puzzle for us. God could have revealed everything to Daniel, but he left a portion of the puzzle and he said this puzzle will not belong to Daniel, will not belong to anybody else, but it will belong to an end time generation. I want you to see the magnitude of it. It's been sealed and it's been reserved. And I believe for a generation of today, this is, I believe that we are the end time generation. I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is coming again. Do you believe that today? The total understanding of this was sealed and it was not given, listen to this, to no other generation but this end time generation. We're going to get somewhere. God in his foreknowledge left the, this place, this piece of the puzzle unknown. And he said, I will reveal it in an appointed time. Why did he do that? I believe that he left this piece and he sealed it for, a gener for an end time generation because he would want to know who is going to search for the understanding of this. God is looking for seekers and I'll tell you why. Because there is a right way to seek this what God has revealed, has sealed, and there is a wrong way to go about it, and there, is, and there is a way that we must prepare ourselves to seek. Know this, that whatever God has sealed is connected to your purification, to your consecration, to your sanctification, for this hope will purify you. Hallelujah. Think about this. In verse 4, chapter 12 of Daniel, he would be told, he said, but thou, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end, right? And we've all read this, right? Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge, right, shall be increased. I believe, and yes, it is talking about technology and it's talking about science, the increase, we have seen that in the last hundred years, something take place. We have gone to the moon. I mean, we are beyond, I mean, the, the things that are taking place today, the technology. But is it just talking about that? It is speaking, I believe, also, and I want you to listen now. It is speaking also of a people. What people? A specific people. People that are seeking after God by the Spirit that know that the appointed time has come. In other words, at the appointed time, people will begin to run to and fro, searching and seeking after God. Does that make sense? 
We are today in America, we just sit in our churches, we just allow the preacher to speak to us and to preach to us. Let me tell you something, you want to at least begin to bring your Bible to church. Our sermons are so dictated, they're, they're, they're specifically made to, to, to please the people, to, to appease the people, to please the people. We don't even know the word of God anymore. But God did not call lazy Christians. God is looking for a people that are running after God, that are seeking, that are seeking Him, that are going after Him. You see, what the spirit of this Antichrist is doing in this hour is that he has the people of God so tired and so consumed with the things of the world and so consumed with material things and so consumed with ourselves and so, that we have no time, we have no energy to go and pursue after God. We're trying to put a band-aid on, on our spiritual condition. But God wants to awaken you and awaken this generation to, for you to pursue after God. First of all, God is calling us as preachers of the gospel to go after God. But he's calling you to go after God too. The appointed time people will begin searching and seeking after God. But more specifically, what, which has been sealed. It's a generation of remnant people that will distinguish themselves as a seeking generation. Fact is that we must be a people today. See, do you know what's taking place today? Do you see what's happening in the news? Do you read the scriptures? Do you know what's really taking place? Because I believe that if you are connected to, to, to what God is saying, if you are hearing from God, then you are being driven to understand. That's what we're trying to do, to see, you know, there is so much confusion in the church. We are fighting and bickering about things that have nothing to do with Jesus, with him coming back. And, and everybody has their own opinion. But I believe God wants to make it clear what is about to take place in this hour. Let's examine. I believe that there are two sets of people that verse 10 is going to talk about. Number one, it speaks of, of a people that first, the Bible says in verse 10, that shall be purified and made white and tried, and the last part of the verse, but the wise shall understand. First, he speaks today, and I believe he's speaking, and I'll prove it to you. He's speaking of an end-time generation. He says that, that in their seeking, the understanding that has been sealed, these remnant people shall be purified. What does purify mean? Purified means to be examined. It means to clarify. It means to purge out. It means to test. It means 
to prove. The fact is that if you are really meeting face to face with God, seeking God for who he is, you're going to have to have, <laughs> this is very crude, but you're going to have to know some things about yourself and things that are hidden inside of the deepest parts of your heart. And it's going to hurt and it's going to be ugly. Because if you pursue after holiness, the Bible says, be ye holy as I am holy. And when, and when that takes place in your heart, the Holy Spirit will begin to reveal junk in your heart. I'm not talking about just any sin. I'm talking about things that you don't even know that you have inside. When you go through this purging and this purification as you seek after God, I got, and I'm telling you because I've experienced it in my own life, I'm seeking the Lord, but yet also I, 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 when I get a hold of who I am, I say, God, Lord, this is ugly. I don't understand. At, at times in those moments, I couldn't understand it. So does that mean I can't preach? Or what are you doing, God? But, but God clarifies, no, I'm just purging you. I'm, I'm, I'm revealing to you what's inside of you. said, they shall be made white, which means to be purified. They shall be tried, which means to refine. God's people are going to be tried. We can, we can jump. We can shout. We can speak in tongues. We can go to church every Sunday and Wednesday. But sooner or later, what you believe shall be tested. And if you are not standing on the word of God, if you're leaning on your own understanding, it will not stand. It must be tested. And that's why the Bible speaks about being tried, which means being refined. Refined means to clarify, to make clear, to filter, to process. Tried means to melt to purify, to purge away. And you know how this is going to take place? This will happen by trial and tribulation. Some of us are going to go through sufferings. Some of us are going to go through persecutions. But understand that we are being purged, that we are being purified, made white, that we are being tried. And there's a purpose behind it. It's not just for the fact of, oh, I'm just going to get, no. There's a purpose why God is going to try you, why God is purifying us, why God, why, why God, why God is, is it, we are making us white, what? Which means that in our pursuance to properly understand that which has been sealed, we shall be purified, be white, and be made white and tried. What does that mean? The sanctification, the purification of the believer is connected to you searching after God. It's more specifically for you searching and going and searching after God's face. Well, I just put my faith in what Christ did at the cross. Well, I just put my faith and that's all I have to do. Oh, really? The Bible also speaks about sanctification comes by the word of God. Why don't we add that? 
Why don't we preach that? I'm tired of this. Race message. These doctrines that take the responsibility of the believer. No, let me tell you something. There's a responsibility that God has left for you to go after him. The other day we, we, we read, we read the, the, the story of a brother Wang. And as we read this story, man, how could you not cry and feel conviction? Here is a man in China giving their lives for God being persecuted while here in America we don't even know what to do all our we have so many Christian channels we don't even know what Christianity is maybe we need to preach to you and bring you a message what is true Christianity again and redefine what it is to be a Christian see when you search that's why you understand now when, in, 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 you know, when you search, when you're relentless and you're knocking at the door, clarity you will have. Understanding we shall, but you must knock at the door. See, that's why Matthew in chapter, chapter 24, verse 12 and 13, to paraphrase it, tells us, tells us, wickedness shall abound, but those that endure until the end shall be saved. What does it mean that she shall be saved? It means this. It means that... Saved means in this verse that in other words, you shall be preserved. You shall be made whole. You're not pursuing God to come to be the super Christian. No, you're pursuing God out of necessity. You're pursuing God because if you don't pursue God, you will be caught up and you will align yourself sooner or later with the spirit of this age. Um, what I'm speaking to you is not something that you're doing just to be this super Christian or just to make me a better preacher. No, 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 no. I'm doing and I'm seeking God out of plain necessity. Somebody needs to hear this today. You're confused. You've gotten yourself in so many doctrines and so many messes. You don't even know what to believe. I'm here to tell you, go back to the simple gospel. Seek God because you need him. Seek God because he's the only answer. Seek him because he is the only one who can deliver you. Seek him because he's the only one who can do something and change your life and change you and change your heart and change your mind. Seek God because you need him, church. Seek God out of desperation. Seek God because if you don't seek him, you shall die. Forgotten the simplicity. When we came to church, tired of whatever it was, but I need God. Now we have everything. Now we have everything. Hallelujah. See, now you understand. That's why when we read in Matthew 7, when, when, he, when Jesus said we can understand now, when the Bible says, ask and you shall be given. Seek and you shall find. 
Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receive it, and he that seeketh, find it. For him that knocketh, it shall be opened. That's why I love one of my favorite stories of the gospel stories is the story of the ten lepers. They all unanimously asked for a physical healing, but only one had enough sense to understand that if, if God can heal me from leprosy, by the way, they were all healed from leprosy, then God can make me whole. And the Bible said that he went after God. Hallelujah. And he fell before God and he worshiped God and he thanked God. And the Bible says that Jesus said, where are the other nine? Wasn't it ten that I healed? And he said, your faith has made you whole. Gotta pursue God. Gotta pursue God out of necessity. If you don't want to do it out of any other reason, seek Him out of necessity. Seek Him because if you don't seek Him, what's gonna happen to your children? To your marriage, to loved ones. Do you know that some of their salvation is, is connected to you? And that we're going to give an account one day before God. Do you think just the preacher is going to give an account? No. As a father, as a mother, you're going to give an account for what you did and what you failed to do. That is terrifying. I want to encourage you to press on. Seek God because you need him. Back to the purity of the gospel. Break the, the tradition of what we do in church. We just come and we sing some songs and, and, we, and, we, and we, we, we just do the same thing over and over. No, come. Let it be a people that when they gather together, whether in Bishop in India or wherever you're at in the world, when you gather together, we gather out of a simple need to hear from God. come to church and we want to be touched by God. I come to church so God can touch me. I come to church so God can, 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 can feel me. No, 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 no. Why don't you touch God? We come and if we don't feel nothing, if the, if, 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 the, if, the, if, the, if the worship leader was not anointed enough, then man, that just wasn't for me today. No, no, no. You got to seek after God. You got to learn to touch God. What are you going to do when the preacher can no longer pray for you? What are you going to do when, we, when they close our churches down? Who are you going to run to? Praise God, this is camp meeting, amen? Yeah. 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 Hallelujah. The rabbis, I was reading something, they alluded to something, and they, that... When I read it, they quickly bear witness in my spirit. They said this concerning seeking, concerning people searching to and fro. They say this, that there is a right approach in searching these things. So in my tiny mind, quickly say, okay, so if there's a right approach, that means that there is a wrong approach. 
Because you can think you're going after these things and you're doing this and that, but if it has to be according to how God says it, how his word teaches us to. That caught my attention because there is a correct approach. There is a right approach. There is a manner that God is calling us. That's what I want to deposit to you today and how God is calling us to seek after him. So then the question is, if there is a right approach, what is the correct approach? The reality is that God is always beckoning us. The reality is that, as I read in Matthew, that he, he continually tells us, knock and you shall, and it shall be open, seek and you shall find, ask and he will respond to you. But how do we correctly come to God? I want you to go with me to Psalms 24. Somebody say amen. Am I boring you? All right. Praise God. The psalmist in chapter 4 to 24 would ask a question that I believe beckons the response and the answer that we seek how to approach God. And, and I thank God for confirming his word, but here in Matthew 24, he will ask two questions. This is David. He would ask the question in chapter 24 in verse 3. He would say, who shall ascend unto the hill of the Lord? The second question that he would ask is, who shall stand in thy holy place? You see, it is there, when you, when you think about the holy place, you think about the tabernacle that had the outer courts, that had the holy place, and that had the holy of holies. This is where the Ark of the Covenant was. This is where the presence of God, this is where God abided for a time. And so he asked, who shall abide in the, who shall stand in the holy place? In other words, for those of us who are going to seek God, we must find our way out of the outer courts because, see, too many Christians are hanging out on the outer courts, living out of the basic truths of the Word of God and the forgiveness of sins over and over, of sins that we commit over and over and over, and they never get out of that realm, and they never experience the ministry of the saints in the holy place, and yet alone never ever go into the holy of holy, and that is the place that you can only come in when you are dead to yourself. But it's a place where you're not doing the talking. It's the place where God is speaking and revealing himself to you. And he asked the question, who shall ascend unto the holy place? Who shall ascend unto that holy place? Here's the answer. We're talking about the, what is the correct approach. Right? Maybe I'm using the wrong terminology. I'm just explaining to you the way I can explain it to you. What is the right approach? What is the correct approach to God? I don't want to, I want to make sure that I'm not alluding to you to any type of, of, of that I'm establishing. Uh, you got to do it like, with like a, uh, 
like a, um, how do you say, uh, a list, what's the word? Of do's and don'ts, no, no. I'm just trying to establish, there's only, there's one way to do it. The Bible says it, here it goes. He that hath clean hands, Number two, he that hath a pure heart. Who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity. That's very interesting that that terminology uses that that has not lifted their soul to vanity because quickly, if you know the word of God, it prompts you to understand now that it's speaking of something that took place before the creation. Now, I must say this, because I was searching and searching, and, and Brother Marty gave me a tip the other day, and he, he gave me this, this tip that I'm speaking to you. And I'm going to publicly give him credit the next time I'll say that God gave it to me. So the first one is we got to honor the man of God. Amen. And he, he really took it to another level. And he didn't know. He called me and he didn't know that God was dealing with me. And I was asking God, what does this mean? I'm telling you what I'm, I'm going to tell you what I'm speaking about. Look what he says. He who has not lifted up his soul unto vanity nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Okay, I'm getting ahead of myself because this is another verse. But check this out. So he says, he that hath clean hands, pure heart, that has not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive the what? The blessing from the Lord. And look what it says. And righteousness from the God of his salvation. And then look what the psalmist says. And I believe he is declaring a prophetic generation. And he's speaking about this generation. Look what he says now. Then the psalmist says, this is the generation of them that seek him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is the generation of them that seek him. And then he says, but let me be more clear. Not just that seek him, but that's that they seek his face. tell you something the Lord just dropped in my heart right now you know what I'm talking about when you love somebody and when you know that you've done something and they're asking the last place you want to do is look at them in where in their face in their eyes hiding something Many Christians, they want, to, they want to seek God, but they don't want to seek his face. We want to hide behind our religion, behind, behind our hallelujahs, behind, behind we, we don't want to be truthful with ourselves. We don't want the Holy Spirit to reveal the ugliness inside of us. But that is a characteristic of the end time seekers are, are those who by the grace and the mercy of God will seek the face of God. 
Because they know they're being purified by the word of God. They're being purified by the, by, by, by the hope that is in them. Hallelujah. See, the only thing that will get you from going crazy in this world, because this world is crazy right now, is the hope in Christ Jesus that purifies us, that says, God, I want you. Come again, Lord. Come again, Lord. The spirit of the bride says, come, Lord. Oh Lord, let us be a generation that seeks your face. I'm naked. You know us before we even know ourselves. Clean hands, Lord. Give me a purified heart. Deliver me from my pride, God. See, I tell you this because there's a lot of seeking going on in church and so-called praying and so-called 21 days of fast. And, and really all it is is just fasting from food, and, but not really, there's no purpose in seeking. It's just something to do to do it. But the seeking generation that God is looking for is one that will seek the face of God. Bishop. God is calling you house of mercy or wherever you may be visiting from or you that are hearing me wherever you're at. God is seeking a generation that will seek his face, not just for what God can do, but for who he is, for who he is, for who he is. I believe that the generation that the psalmist David is talking about is this generation. Powerful. You begin to seek his face. Begin to purify you. Go to chapter 9 in the book of Daniel. Check this out. God's got a few more minutes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to read some verses from chapter 9, but what I want you to point out is the manner in which Daniel approaches God. There's a, there's a powerful teaching of the heart that is required. It's not your words and how eloquent you are with your words and, and how much you quote scripture. No, there is a manner, and that's what we learn from Daniel, his humility and his heart as he goes after God. I want you to see, we're talking about the right approach. You know, preachers today, they get a little revelation and they make money off of it, right? The chapter 9, Daniel approach. Amen. 1999. Hallelujah. Now, what we're going to see here is the heart of one man. 
One man. Prayer for his nation. He says, the Bible says in chapter 9, the first year of Darius, the son of Azarias, of the seed of meats, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, look what he says. I, Daniel, understood, right, understanding, by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet. And he read that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. Now listen to this. Look at the wording of this. He says, and I set my face unto the Lord God to seek, right, seeking generation, by prayer, and not just prayers, he says, by prayer, and then he takes it to another, by supplications. Here's a good one. With fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Look what he says. And I prayed unto the Lord my God. And he says, and I made my confession. What was he confessing about? Just his sins, but the sins of his nation. He was being open before God. See, our, our, yes, within ourselves, we are unworthy of God, but you can seek the face of God when you humble yourself before God. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He says, I prayed, and he says, and he says, and I made my confessions, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him. And to them that keep his commandments, he says, we have sinned. And have committed iniquity and have done wickedly and have rebelled even by departing from the precepts and from thy judgments. Neither have we hearkened unto thy servant the prophets, which spoke in thy name to our kings, our princes and our fathers and to all the people of the land. O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee. But unto us confusion of faces, as as this day to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, unto all Israel that are near and that are far off through all the countries whither thou hast driven them because of their trespass, that they have trespassed against thee. Go to verse 9. To the Lord our God belongs mercies and forgiveness. Though we have rebelled against him. Go to verse 12. Yes, all Israel has transgressed thy law, even by departing, that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore the curse is poured upon us, and the oath that is written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, because we have sinned against him. Go to verse 13. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil has come upon us, yet made we not our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might turn from our iniquities. And look at this. And what? And understand what? Truth. Okay. Go to verse 16 now. O Lord, according to all righteousness, I beseech thee, let thy anger and thy fury be turned away from thy city, Jerusalem. Now look, it tells me here that Daniel read 
David and the Psalms of David because he quotes, I believe, directly from Psalms 24 when he says, the holy mountain, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers. Go to verse 17. Now, therefore, O our God, hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplication and cause thy face to shine upon where? Thy sanctuary. The holy place that we spoke about that is desolate for the Lord's sake. Oh my God, incline thy ear and hear, open thy eyes. Look at this, look at this man praying. Behold our desolation and the city which is called by thy name. For we do not present our supplication before thee. We do not seek you for our righteousness, but for the great mercies. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken and do. Defer not for thy own sake. O my God, for that city, thy city and thy people are called by thy name. And whilst I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my supplication. In other words, as I was seeking him before the Lord, my God, for the holy mountain of my God. While I was speaking in prayer, even the man, Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision of the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. And he informed me and talked to me and said, listen to this. O Daniel, I am now come forth, here he goes, to give thee, what does it say there? Skill. There is a generation that God is calling to seek him, to seek his face. It has to be very specific, just opening up prayer meetings and, and doing things. No, no, we have to be specific, cohesive in what we're doing. We are seeking the face of God. I'm not telling you to come to church now and confess all your sin. No, you, you do that in your own time and you go before God. The other side is are those who seek him and that's speaking about the wicked. Let me just explain that. Maybe not seek him but seek Concerning the end times. And go back to Daniel chapter 12. And verse 10. I have a few more minutes. Then it says there in the later, latter part of verse 10 of chapter 12 of Daniel. The wicked shall do wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand. But the wise shall understand. So on the other side. The wicked shall not understand. The Bible says. There is a wicked generation that seeks to know the end, but they can't. Well, what do you mean? Well, let's speak about the world first. We see the movies that Hollywood is producing. How many of you see all these apocalyptic movies that are taking place? So Hollywood senses something. The world is sensing that something is taking place. It's just, but they cannot really understand because you cannot understand it unless it's revealed to you and unless you read the word of God. Somebody say amen. So... And not just that. So forget the world. The church is confused concerning these last days. 
How many of you know what I'm talking about? Why is there confusion today in the world? Why cannot the wicked understand? Remember, Jesus would warn us in Matthew chapter 24, verse 37, that, 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 that it would be like in the days of Noah, the coming of the Son of Man, right? And what happens? And, and when you go into Genesis chapter 6, and when it says that, let's go to, let's go to Genesis chapter 6, so you know that I'm quoting you right. Go to verse 3. My spirit, the Lord says, shall not always strive with man, for that he is also flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. Check this out. Verse 5. And God saw the what? The wickedness of man. The wicked, and it says, and it was great in the earth. Why did it become great? Because they despised and ignored and rejected the message of Noah. And soon Noah preached a message. Could you imagine a message that was the same message for almost a hundred years? Repent for a flood is coming. Do you really want to be a prophet? Do you really want to be a preacher? Do you know what that entails? So God turned him into a reprobate mind. That's why he said, my spirit will not strive with that generation. They totally rejected God with the exception of one man found grace in the eyes of God. Think about that. The pollution, the corruption, the wickedness was so great that verse 5 tells us, and he says that it was so great that every imagination of the thought of their heart was only to do evil continually. So God will turn them over to a delusion. That's what the Bible teaches us. That's what Romans 1 talks about. Read Romans 1 when you get home. When we reject, no one has an excuse. No, that's what the Bible says. That's what, he, that's what he says in Romans, the apostle Paul. No one has an excuse. You know why that's so dangerous? Because they will be deluded. This end time generation that is trying to figure out what is the end and, and Hollywood is trying to give us a picture of this. They will be deluded into thinking that they know what the end will be. They will even think that their understanding is pure and, 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 and without error. But the wicked shall, fall, shall fail in their attempts to find answers to the end. For they shall be incapable of understanding. Why are they incapable of understanding? Because as Romans 1.28 says, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. And let me give you a definition of a reprobate mind. A reprobate mind is one that is incapable to judge. Make sense to you? They can't judge the spiritual things. They can't judge the things of God. They're reprobate. They have no foundation. They have rejected the truth. Getting ready to close. 
Second, I believe that this is twofold, that when it speaks about the wicked, right? The wicked, right? Let's go back to Daniel. The wicked, the wicked shall do wickedly. It's not only talking about the people, and this is a good point that I will, uh, I will give credit to Pastor Fernando. He, he said this, and it just made sense when he said it. I know the Lord dropped it. And he spoke about also the wicked being Satan. I'll explain to you a little bit right now. And it confirmed in my spirit because I've been studying in, in, in Psalms 19. And this is where I told you, Brother Marty made the connection for me, that, uh, the question that I had. I want you to go to Psalms 19. And after that, I just have a paragraph more in my message, and I shall be done. Go to Psalms 19. Hallelujah. I want you to go to verse 12. Verse 13. David would ask the question. Look what it says. Look what the question he would ask. He says, who can understand his errors? Basically, he's saying one is incapable of truly understanding everything that is inside of him. That's why we got to go to the potter's house. I'm talking about God, not the church. He says, see, and, and David understood that as honest as I am with God, I know who can really understand and search the man of heart, the heart of man. That's what Jeremiah 17 verse 9 says. And, and, and who says, um, the, the heart, what is, what is that verse? Let's go to that. Jeremiah 17. Oh, yeah. The heart is deceitful above all things. Who shall know it? Yeah. It's the question he asks. And then in verse 10, he answers it, but God, <laughs> who searches the deep things of God. See, that's the type of deliverance that we need as, 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 as people of God to break out of, of, out of our religious ceremony and of our religious thoughts. We need that type of operation where we go to God, the doctor, and say, Holy Spirit, search me, for my heart is wicked above all things. Who shall know it? As David said, who can understand his errors? Quickly, he says, oh God, but cleanse thou me from secret, what? Faults. In other words, there's places in our hearts <laughs> that God still has to deal with. Somebody say amen. You think it's you just come and you confess your sins and you get saved and God removes everything. No, no. It's a process. And he does it like this purposely. You know how when he gave Israel the promised land, he didn't just give it to them. They were to conquer it piece by piece by piece in obedience to him. And that's the work of sanctification in our lives. I got to hurry up. And then he says this, keep back thy servant from presumptuous sins. What are presumptuous sins? Insolent. It means insubordinate sins. Sins of pride. Look at the word we're giving you. Pride. Now look at this. Let them not have dominion. Look what it says here. 
It's not a matter of fact if you're going to deal with things. He says, but what he's saying, let them not have dominion. What he's saying, dominion, he means let them not govern me, rule over me. He says, because then I shall be upright, which means, you know what upright means? It means to be complete. It means to be finished, to be sound, to be made whole, to perfect. And then he says something that threw me off for about a week. It threw me off. He says, and then he says, I shall be innocent. In other words, acquitted, blameless, guiltless, pure, free, completed, finished from the great transgression. And I was puzzled by that. And I went to the commentary and I got even more disappointed because I didn't find anything. It was just talking about sins of idolatry and sins. I'm like, man, no, give me some meat, somebody. One day I got a call from the man of God. I think we just took 20 seconds to greet and we began to, he began to speak the word, Psalms. He didn't know it. I didn't tell him anything. He began to break down Psalms 19. I was like, glory to God. And then when he got to the great transgression, he said, this is speaking of the beginning. What happened with Satan? Boom. The light switch went on. And it was free. I didn't pay for this commentary. Hallelujah. Man, I've invested. I don't even use them anymore. Now, they're good, but, you know, I just praise God, amen, for the study of these men of God. Just a knucklehead from San Francisco, amen. What is the great transgression? David takes us back to the beginning, to what happened in the place in the heavens. See, we think about heavens as being a place of streets of gold where everything is happening. But it was there where this great transgression took place with Isaiah in chapter 14 and Ezekiel in chapter 28 speaks to us that iniquity was found in this, in, in, in Lucifer. The pride to be more like God, to be like God. That was the great transgression. Check this out. That's why when... How do I say this? When we speak about the fall of man, we are speaking more of just sin entering. And that's why we do bad stuff. And that's why I'm going to have a conversation. I heard preachers right with Adam and talk to him. Why did you do this? Something deeper about that. It wasn't that they just ate out of the, the tree that they shouldn't have because that God punished them forever. No. That entails something more. When Adam ate, we became participants of this great transgression. We became guilty of this great transgression. Let me go a little bit further. We became accomplices.
So in the simplest term, because I got to finish my message, what the psalmist is saying when he says, when he says, uh, 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 I shall be innocent from the great transgression, he says, Lord, I want to be removed as far from this great transgression. Having a pure heart, clean hands. In fact, this church, I believe that the line is being drawn in this hour. We are either for him or we are against him. We will either be drawn to seek him or we will fall prey to the spirit of this age. This is the seriousness of the matter. You and I cannot stay the same. You cannot stay the same. As you seek to know what God has left for this generation, it will purify you. Keep you make you whole. As in Egypt, when darkness fell, as the darkness, the Bible says, that could be felt, as the darkness that, uh, that, that is in this hour, the Bible says that in Goshen, hallelujah, there was light amongst the people of Israel. Let me tell you, as long as we have the gospel of Jesus Christ, as long as we have him and we preach Jesus, Jesus saves, Jesus baptizes, Jesus heals, Jesus is coming back again, there is light and there is hope and no darkness will be able to stop the light as long as we lift up Jesus. Let us be a generation that seeks God, that seeks the face of God. Don't be afraid. Let him, even if it hurts, even if it hurts, even if it makes you limp, but go to him and you shall be purified in the hope in Christ Jesus. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Would you stand up today? Once again, we'd like to thank you so much for tuning in to today's message. Now, don't forget to subscribe for the latest message. And if you would like more information about our ministry or you would like to give, you can go ahead and visit us at www.worldharvestministries.net. Now, thank you so much for your prayers and your support. And as we say here in World Harvest Ministries, keep looking up. God bless.